This week, my guest is Chris Cloutier of Golden Rule Auto and AutoTech Me. Sit tight because you don't want to miss it. Welcome back to another edition of Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today I'm joined by Chris Cloutier. Uh, Chris and I are having a very fun and inspiring conversation about personal mission statements. Uh, it's one thing when you know you have shop goals and you have goals for the team and goals for the management and goals for everything else, but how do you self-govern? And that's what Chris and I are going to talk about today. We're going to take a deep dive on personal development for self, how the things we do for ourselves ultimately impacts those around us, and that's where we need to begin. So before we start building these altruistic goals for the people around us, for our shops, or for anything else that we put our hands to, everything rises and falls with the on the leadership within, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris Cloutier, and I hope you enjoy it. It's quite a different conversation than normal, but very inspiring. Hey, Chris, welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, fall is here. It's a great time of year, and i uh, just excited for what the rest of the year has to bring. It is an exciting time. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate this opportunity and we were chatting a little bit at ratchet and wrench in my backyard um this last time looking forward to the next one for sure great conference as always chris you guys just put on one heck of a conference let's let's just say that oh no i appreciate that and of course appreciate your contribution to that as well oh yeah absolutely yeah so for those who don't know you know chris is the founder of golden rule auto care in dallas texas in the dallas texas area and of course of autotex.me chris tell us about your shop so I own two shops, like I said, right outside of Dallas, Golden Rule Auto Care. Um, been in the business about 11 years now. Also own a product, Auto Text Me, which provides software for auto repair shops. That's been around for about seven or eight years. Um, love technology, love the auto repair industry. I know we all fix cars, but we all do it a little bit differently. So I like being involved in all the different aspects of the business everywhere from, yeah, I like training. I like getting up in front of Ratchet Wrench talking about technology. Interestingly enough, this last time at Ratchet Wrench, I didn't talk as much about technology. I talked more about fulfillment and, you know, reaching your, now you reached your sales goals. What next? And uh, I, I'm excited to talk to you more about that. And, and what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, that's one of the things that we did talk about, kind of this idea of having a personal mission statement. Hey, did you know that Napoleon Bonaparte created what we know as personal mission statements? I did not know that. That's a great yeah. piece of information, Chris. He, he did, he did. That's like, awesome. He, he would give his field marshals latitude to operate on their own since they had a clear sense of the goal for a particular campaign. And just basically they were, were allowed to do as they saw fit on the battlefield, provided they could give the results that align with the mission. Well, that's awesome. I yeah. learned something new. I just learned something new right here on the Wretched and Rich podcast. <laughs> right on, man. As you mentioned, many shop owners have mission statements for their businesses, but not for their lives. What is your personal mission statement? And can you deconstruct how you created that? Absolutely, Chris. And you know, it was interesting when I was doing my presentation at Ratchet Rich this last time, and we talked about a couple of things, but one of the things that I touched on was a personal mission statement. And I asked everybody, like we do in the room, how many people have a personal mission statement? In I, not a hand went up, which was surprising. Um, a, a couple of people could say some things. Um, Greg Buckley was like, hey, I have, I have a mission statement in here. Um, and so I didn't know if it was the room was scared to say it or a lot of people haven't really thought about it because we do, like you said, spend a lot of time in creating 
mission statements for a business, vision statements for a business, and purpose for a business, because business, that's what we're about, leaders, we got to create vision, but what about for ourselves? And, you know, really being intentional about the vision for what we want in our lives and how we're going to direct our lives. And then in turn, that helps us direct the business. Um, I actually, I, I've got four, I call them pillars. And actually there's five, sorry, pillars that um, I personally go by. And I call them pillars instead of, you know, mission value statements. And they are, I'm, I want to be a God-fearing, wise and strong leader. Uh, I want to be a caring, listening and supportive husband, a caring an understanding and loving father. I want to develop others that allow me to develop them. That's a key statement there that allow me to develop them. And then an elegant and professional speaker. And as you know, I speak for Ratchet and Ranch and I go to other conferences and, and always, pretty much always take the opportunity when given to get in front of a room of people and be able to share ideas and express ideas and be elegant and, and professional about it. And there is some, it takes time to become a good speaker as, as, as you know, and as most people understand, it's just, yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm going to be a good speaker. I'll just get them to speak all the time. Well, there's an art to speaking like there is with everything. Right. So how did you develop those four pillars? Like, did you just sit down and look at your life and look at the areas of your life that you wanted to be great in or excel in, or was there a different method that you employed? I, it's It's another great question, Chris. I, over years, I started this probably about seven, eight years ago and really developing these statements over time. So the beginning of every year, I go and I readdress these, these statements and I say, are they still valid? And then throughout the years, I make sure that I'm measuring myself against these statements and make sure that they're still valid. And then I'm not going against these statements and that I can live true to these statements. And sometimes we do fall. Sometimes I, I let's be honest, I'm, I'm not the greatest husband in the world. Um, sometimes I'm not a wise leader and I make mistakes, but that's okay. We're going to make mistakes. We're humans. We know that. So once a year, I really go and I, I look at them just like I do. Once a year, I go and I, I set goals for my businesses. I set personal goals for myself. Um, I look at my financials. I look at you know net worth and I look at all these things in kind of my beginning of year planning. And once again, that's one of those things I look at. It's, it's really important to I still hold these things in a high regard in my life. Okay. And so as you evolve over time, you know, looking at them year over year or, or your frequency of looking at them, as you change as a man and as a person, do you update your goals to that status of who you are at the time that you're reading them? Yeah, Chris, as a matter of fact, there, there were four pillars and I was stuck with four. And then I added a fifth one actually this last year. And that was that elegant and passionate speaker. I, I've, really like getting in front of people. I really like sharing ideas. I really like sharing thoughts and all that. And I didn't have it. And I'm like, you know what? I really need to add this as one of my, once again, personal value and mission statements. And this once gives me, gives me the opportunity to say, okay, if I'm invited to a conference, I'm invited. Am I, am I getting this opportunity? I'll get passionate speaker. And then once I get up, am I, am I living true to that? Um, we all see speakers sometimes that are not passionate and that's okay. There, we, there's some really good speakers that aren't passionate. I like passion. I, that's one of the things I think people, when they listen to me, they're like, man, you're super passionate. Sometimes you're a little too fast for me, Chris. Sometimes you say things I don't understand, but man, your passion comes across. And Chris, I played in a rock band for a long time. And the one thing I do know is people love passion, right? You get up there and if you look like you're rocking out and having a great time, then people, once you get, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you made during that set, how many songs that you butchered and as long as you get off the stage and you're going heck yeah that was awesome this is killer do you love the show 
everybody around you is going to be going, yeah, that was awesome. They're not like, oh man, you missed the note in the third verse. I, I totally understood that, you know, that they're not going to say that. So yes, I do. I update them. I add to them. I subtract. I'll add different keywords, Chris, you know, some of the, like a caring husband, a listening husband, you know, adding that listening piece is sometimes something we don't, Oh, listens a get listening is a given, but it goes this whole intentionality when your husband, are you really listening? Are you solving your wife's problems? Are you just letting her talk? And, you know, there's a conversation where you're not waiting to talk next and tell her how to solve the problem. So yes, I do. I look at updating these often throughout the year. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you. I think people rise and fall to the level of your energy. I mean, even if you don't have all the answers, but you're very energetic and passionate about what you're talking about, people come up to that level. Absolutely. You know, when you're in school, Chris, you know, your mom asked you the question, Chris, would, you know, if you're all your friends jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the fridge? And it's what I tell my mom, mom, I'm probably the one going, come on, let's go jump off the bridge. (laughs) Yeah, that's the mistake. I'm, 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 passion mom they follow me so they're probably coming with me but i'm not going to actually i have jumped off a bridge last year or two i jumped off a very high railroad track into water yeah you're not supposed to do it but everybody (laughs) does it so i'm like yeah and i was one of the first to go to by the way yes oh that's awesome so how does someone go about setting a personal mission statement for themselves i think it goes to you know do you do you have, once again, this desire to spend time with yourself and understanding yourself? We spend a lot of time working in our businesses and not on our business. And this is what be one of the things, Chris, that I would say is working on your business, is really developing yourself and your intentional self and who that means you're going to be. And uh, because a lot of times we go against ourselves throughout the day and, and it causes stress and it causes everything else. You know, it, there's these great sayings that say, you know, you can be, you can have money or you can be broke. Both are hard. Choose your hard. You know, do, if, if you know your values, you know your core statements, then it helps you tr- truly guide yourself through your day and your decision making. And, and, and auto repair, Chris, you know, one of the things that we, we get accused of a lot is just not being honest and, and not being and not listening to our customers and all these other things. So personal values can carry over. I think if your if team sees your personal values and see you holding yourself to the standard, then this, you know, it all kind of flows to your team and what they say, it all flows downhill. What, what do you want flowing downhill to your team? You lie with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. Lie with good dogs, you get good fleas. So you as a leader, if you have good values, good mission statement for yourself, this can help translate to your team as well. Okay. How do you safeguard against people pleasing though? I know with set, sometimes you will set, you know, people in general will set a mission statement, but that mission statement is more reflective of external values. What my mom thinks of me, what my wife thinks of me, what my children may think of me, what my employees may think of me as I develop this mission statement. These, these external influences can influence how we develop our own mission. And in the end, we're developing a persona as opposed to developing ourselves. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, that's great, Chris. And that's deep, right? I mean, you're really right. How do you kind of filter through these? And then I think going through them yearly, reconnecting with them every couple months and really saying, are these true to the values of the person that I believe that I am and not who somebody else holds me to? I believe in affirmations too. I am, I'm a strong athlete. I'm a, I'm a good leader. I'm a strong leader. I'm a wise leader. Like, I think at some point in time, you have to make a distinction on what you are versus what other people tell you. Now, 
you are your brother's keeper. And it even says in the Bible, right? We, we are to tell our brother when they sin, we're to tell them, you know, forgive them seven times, all these things. So you are going to be influenced by your outside, but at some point in time, you got to start listening to those internals of yourself and really saying, Hey, and Chris, you know, we talk about this on a lot of other shows, you know, somebody will be like, I'm not really good at communicating like numbers with my people. I'm not good numbers person. I'm not a good, that's okay. You at least be this good and then find somebody else to help you with the numbers, right? But don't just, you know, put your head in the sand and, and just ignore it all together. So that's okay. If you're not good at numbers, then make sure that you understand it's your personal value, personal mission, like here's what I am good at. And I'm not good at these other things. And I can find people to help fill in these gaps. And we should do that as, as leaders. We're not going to be great at everything. We're only going to be good at certain things. And we should understand that. But chipping away, Chris, I think constantly asking our questions. And one of the things that I do every Tuesday, and I brought this up in the presentation too, for an hour, I have a list of questions that I ask myself. And they're very purpose-driven statements. And you know, one is, you know, some of the top ones are about God, my walk with God. But then some of the bottom ones are like, why am I in business? Why did I get into business in the first place? Why do I want to be a leader? And these are questions we need to ask ourselves, right? Are we in it for the reasons why we think we, or maybe you're miserable and, and that's not the position you want to be in, nor should you be in, but we need to ask ourselves these questions. No, I think that's a great point. You know, just continually asking ourselves those hard questions, you know, getting to the bottom or getting to the root of who we are and our ultimate purpose in life. Because peeling yeah, back think, the layers of the end. Yeah, yeah, I think we just, because we change over time. You know, what who I was last year isn't the man I am today or the man I'll be next year. And You're so, absolutely right. Yeah, just so asking myself those difficult questions to making sure that I'm still aligned with the values that I hold, it, it's an important thing to do. Yeah, it's that Socratic method on yourself, that Socratic method yes. of questioning yourself. Hey, the five whys, you know, they use it in Lean Six Sigma 2 called the five whys. Why? Why, why, why? And if you ask yourself, you keep asking yourself why, I agree with you, Chris. I think eventually you find a core of who you are. And that core can change. But a lot of times, I, you know, and it's funny, a lot of these I wrote, you know, like I said, years ago, they haven't changed a lot. Some, maybe some of the adjectives have changed, some of the words in them have changed, but the core of like me wanting to be a God-fearing, wise and strong leader, that hadn't really changed. That's truly who I feel I am, what I was filled to call to be, right? So I might, you know, change and tweak some, some words here, but, but leadership is still very much a strong part of who I am. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, right? Man, I love the book. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. And one thing Napoleon Hill talks about is specificity. Like really when you fix you know, a goal or a value, you have to be specific. Talk about that in terms of when you develop a personal mission statement, you, know, you can say, I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good owner. But those are very vague statements. Like how important is it to put some sort of value on those that says, I want to, like you said, a good God-fearing man, or I want to be a husband who listens, like adding that additional value statement how important is that to making sure that those goals get energized and they're not right. just vague? Yeah, because they make them more actionable. You know, if, if you're going to say, I am a, uh, I'm a listening husband, I'm going to listen to my wife. As soon as you have that conversation with her over lunch and you immediately start talking over, did you meet that criteria of being someone who listens and, and really understands and, and says, hey, am I, am I really paying attention? Wise leader. Um, some of these are hard to measure and that's, you know, mm -hmm. these come to the soft skills of life, um, you know, but wisdom is that 
intuition with mixed with a lot of people on your advisory board mixed with a lot of information. So a wise leader, in, in my opinion, is going to look at a lot of things. They're going to have an advisory council or some sort of 20 group or some sort of group of peers, transformer group, some something that helps them kind of dial in on that wisdom. Because if you look at the kings of old, the wise kings had councils. Even our president has council. Everybody has councils. And that's wise, right? And they go, hey, I have this idea. Let me ask you about this and getting that feedback and then making the decision. They don't let the council make the decision. They ultimately make the decision. But are you just going out making a rash decision, quick decision without any information from the outside, without any understanding, without any type of advisory council? Like you can measure some of these, some of them are hard to measure, but I think adding these adjectives help you measure these a little bit more, Chris. So you bring up that book, John Maxwell's got a good one called Intentional Living. Um, and a lot of this, you know, he talks about this in, in intentional living. And once again, like taking the goals of just yourself and self-development. And he talks about, you know, everybody has financial goals and they have, I want to have a house by this age. I want to have a car by this age. And, you know, as business owners, we have, you know, we want to make this much money over this much time. Um, but we don't really set ourselves to that standard of, okay, well, how many hours are we going to spend training for ourselves on leadership or maybe on listening or maybe on some of these things that help us develop these internal personal skills and actually get us further in life. I do a lot of training. Personally, you know, I, anything from marketing training to leadership training to management training and reading books. And I read books and I read books and I read books. And I know you're a book reader too. I mean, just I have it. There's so much you can learn from other people's insight and their wisdom to help you in your journey along the way. Absolutely. Um, so once a person has developed a mission statement, how do they set about living intentionally within it? You're reminding yourself constantly that these are the values you hold yourself to. So one of the things I like to do is at night, some people do it in the morning, some people to do it at night, but reflect on your day or reflect on what your day is going to happen or you reflect on the day before. I like doing it at night and reflecting on my day and, and sitting there and having some of that quiet time to say, you know, as I run through, rewind the tape within my day, did I live by these values and standards that I hold myself to? Did I go yell at one of my employees when I know that I'm, I'm trying to develop them and pour into them and, and they're trying to learn and they're trying to develop with me? You know, was I somebody who was really trying to do or was I just being a you know, mean boss just because I had a stressful day? Could I have handled that situation better? Could I set them down? Could I explain the why a little bit better to them? Could I put some more, you know, maybe boundaries that I didn't understand should have been there? So just every day, you know, that end of the day, rewind. Do you do that, Chris? Do you have sometimes where you reflect at the end of the day and just did I, was I, was I living up to these certain things or how did I handle this situation? I do. Yeah. I'm also a journaler. So Me I too. A lot of journaling. Love it. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and journaling is a great way, right? It is. It's a great way to, to reflect on your day. It's a, great, it's a great way to start your day and kind of put your intentions in place and decide how you want the direction of the day to go. Then at the end of the day, it's a great way to check back in with yourself. Chris, do you ever go read some of the older entries and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking that day? Sometimes what happened that day? <laughs> Sometimes I do. Like I'll, I'll highlight, especially if I have certain ideas that I want to come yeah. back to later on, I'll highlight those. And I'll, if I'm sitting around on a Saturday and I want to kind of go back and look at things. I'll flip through some of these journals and see what ideas that I can actually put into play. That's or awesome. That are, you know, I'm in a position to put into play. So, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I got my, I got my, my wife and kids, we journal at night as well. So I've got my, my daughters, I have 11 to 13 year old daughter and, and they are journaling. And it's funny because even, um, you know, as they go through problems, as they get older in life, one of the things that the counselors even suggest is journaling. 
So it's something widely used. And, and great point, Chris. Like, here's another there, affirmations, I am statements, little cars that say, you know, I am a strong leader. And reading those and really believing those and what's in that card and journaling, you know, these are two kind of actionable items you can take away. But a lot of people don't, they're like, hey, I don't want to journal. That sounds dumb. That sounds like a waste of time. Not a waste of time. A great way to get, like you said, get ideas out, get your thoughts out. Sometimes get your anger out. Mm -hmm. Something you yeah. might say to somebody else, you put down a piece of paper, you're like, oh my God, I would have, I'm glad I didn't say that to that person. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that idea of writing the angry email and deleting it. Yes. Yes. What was it? <laughs> I think it was Abraham Lincoln uh, in back in history. I believe it was him who wrote the long letter to one of his yes. journals, just his generals. Yes. He's very angry. And he just put it in his desk. And I think drawer. they found it. Yeah. They yes. found it years yeah, later. I, I love that awesome. story. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. Uh, his leadership is second to none. When you read and kind of dive into his, just the way he dealt with individuals and people in communication and just that whole idea where he was not a corner office kind of president. He was always out with the people. Just out with the people in his council, he had both sides truly on his council. Yeah, he wanted he to hear both sides of the story always, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, great leader. I agree. Absolutely. All right. So what role can cognitive dissonance play in creating a mission statement? So and I love the word cognitive dissonance because it's one of those that I can repeat. It's one of those words that make me sound super intelligent, um, <laughs> even though, you know, like I'll, in a year from now, somebody go cognitive dissonance, Chris, I'm like, I don't know. But it's entertaining those two thoughts that are direct opposition to each other. And, and why I like this with mission statements and the, and the more I learned about cognitive dissonance and, and all these things is, is you, I think you create a lot of stress in your day if you if you're going against what your core values are and, and you're like, you know, I am a, you know, once again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a loving father. And then which love can be disciplined, but let's say you, you make a statement to your kid. That's just out of like, um, like, and, and this happens to all parents. Um, unfortunately you might say something like, well, that was dumb, right? You make that statement to your child like that was dumb, and they take it immediately as, "Oh, you, wow, my parents call me dumb." You know, that's not a you, versus versus a statement that's a little more intentional. Like, "Hey, why why did you make that choice? Maybe was that the wisest choice you could have made?" Right there, there's a difference between making that statement and dumb, right? And so I think in in, in what we do throughout our day, if we have these values that in these mission statements, we can go, once again, do, how do we treat our employees? Are we trying to build them versus just tear them down? If you're, if you want to be somebody who's, who develops other people, which is my mission statement, if they want to be developed, am I doing that? And am I giving them room to grow? Am I giving them room to make mistakes? Am I really, am I giving them opportunity of books to do this or am I tearing them down? And I think that cognitive dissonance comes into play. If I'm tearing them down, in one side of my brain and the other side of my brain says, well, Chris, you're supposed to be building them up. I think you, you kind of live in this constant stress, right? This constant kind of stress reaction. And, and it adds it, it, cognitive dissonance, I think, creates a lot of our stress in our life. Now, I'm not going to say that you don't have stress when you try and build up an employee and they don't listen and they, you know, they fall down and all these other things um, that also causes stress. But, you know, how are we living? How are, how are values playing out with those two opposing thoughts? Are we taking that sometimes harder road based off of our values? Or are we saying, ah, I'm just going to take the easy road and, and totally ignore my core self? Yeah. And I think it affects the integrity you have with other people when you get caught in the cognitive dissonance, because 
you tell them out of one side of your mouth that you're a leader who values opinions and you're a leader who values thoughts and input. And then on the other side of your mouth, you shut it all down. You Chris, say, oh. you're absolutely right. Yeah. You, and, and, you know, taking and, and building up integrity and trust with your team takes, takes years, but you can tear it down in one statement. Very quickly, you can tear it down faster than you can ever build it. So I, I agree with you. Just that ability to have integrity with your team and really have that influence on your team. You got to watch what you do and watch what you say. That's wonderful, Chris. Yeah, and I think just people are always watching this, you know, whether we know it or not. They're seeing how we move. They see how we respond to things. They want to know, who, who am I following? Chris, they always say, you know, integrity is about what you do when people aren't watching. Agreed. But integrity is also what you're doing when people are watching. Yeah, you got to be, you know, you've got, you, like you said, you can't go say, I really value opinions because I'm somebody who values opinions and I really like insight from other people. And then as soon as Chris comes and says, Hey, I got this idea. And you go, Oh man, that's dumb. Like, right. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, one thing I've learned about mission statements is that they're a perfect safeguard of your time and energy. You know, how you weigh, whether someone invites you to something or offers you something or you know, something that goes and that doesn't align with purpose, you know, whether, whether it does or doesn't align with purpose. You know, I was listening to an interview uh, the other night with Alan Iverson and he was talking about a time he was hanging out with Kobe Bryant and okay. they, you know, they had dinner. And then after the dinner, uh, you know, they're, they're riding around and uh, Kobe's like, well, you know, what's up? And he said, uh, Alan's like, well, I want to go to the club. And he dropped him off the club. And he said, what do you plan on doing tonight? He said, I'm going to the gym. And it's like that whole thing where Kobe looked at the purpose. Okay. I can go to the club and have fun, or I can go and do something that's aligned with my purpose of being the best basketball player in the world, which is, I'm going to the gym now. Can you share your thoughts or experiences with the idea of personal mission statements as safeguards? You know, Chris, something people ask me all the time is you have a couple auto repair shops, you got a software company, you're at, you know, the conferences, like what else do you do? And the other thing I do is spend time with family. So that's, that's my two worlds I live in. And I enjoy business. I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I enjoy all the aspects of business. I enjoy the aspects of leadership. I'm not, look, I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. It's hard running businesses. It's hard um, being a leader. It's all of this is hard, but that that ability to have this gift that we're given, and then make it like once again. Here's my mission statements, and then on the flip side, knowing when I'm not there, like you said, I'm not going to a club. I'm not. You know, people are like, why don't you play rock music anymore? It's going to take away from my family. So if I'm going to be, you know, if I'm going to develop people, I'm going to be an elegant speaker and I'm going to be a, a, a good, strong leader. And the other two value statements, mission statements I have are about being a, a caring husband and a listening, caring husband and, and a loving father. Like I got to spend time with my family and it's not, I got to, it's, I love, you know, a lot of times yeah. I will race out of a conference um, just at Ratchet Ridge. You know, I was, I was, it was in my backyard. I was leaving the conference to go watch my girls play soccer. And then I would come back and then I would leave and go watch them play soccer. I'd come back because to me, like that is, you know, I want to be the dad who's on the sideline, like go Christian and Kylie. Like that is to me, a loving father who is there. I could be the, so every once in a while I got to go to a conference and I miss a game and I try to not schedule conferences during that time so I can be there for my wife and kids. Um, sometimes there's a conflict of interest and it, it does suck, right? And those are the times where I'm like, hey, Amy, I missed one of my daughter's volleyball games and I'm like, stream it live. And she's sending me clips of, you know, my daughter on the volleyball court. And I'm watching it like almost real time. Um, but yeah, it does safeguard because like, I don't need to go to the club. I don't need to do some of these other things that in a younger year I would do. I, I love playing guitar, but it, it's great. But is other things in my life are the, are the high value, high purpose 
statements of my life. So I, I got to make, you know, I, that's a great example. The other thing I like to do is, like I said, you know, if I'm going to be a passionate, elegant speaker, you know, wise leader and all this, it's training to me, training, 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 you know, so at Ratchet and Ranch, I'm going and watching the other speakers and I'm listening to them and I'm making notes. I mean, every time I go to a conference, I'm going to go sit and I'm going to watch somebody. I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to, I'm going to, because that's part of me being a, that wise, I think leader is I can't stop growing as a leader. I've got to get other people's insight. I got to understand what they say. I got to understand the way they do it and then make my own judgments based off of it. Now, and I love what you said there. You said focusing on high value activities, you know, being able to discern what's a high value activity that hits the mission and what's a low value activity that really deters from the mission. Agreed, man. Uh, I think it's seven habits of highly successful people. And Stephen Covey talks about urgent versus the important, the four quadrants. And I, you always think about that. We, we live in urgency, but do we really? Or can we live in important? What's really important in our lives and goes back to, you know, your value statements. If these things are really important in your life, go do those things. Go spend time with you. Do the things that are important. So once again, I don't have a lot of time in my life for anything else other than work and family. But they're both very, very valuable to me. Both very important. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I love the, the whole Eisenhower matrix of figuring out your hierarchy of importance. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. So, you know, we all know it's not easy to live on purpose and stay in complete, in complete alignment with your mission at all times. Sometimes, like you said, as a dad, we fail as a husband, we fail as a business owner, we drop the ball. How do we bounce back from discouragement? I think we just have to all realize, and I know this is an original religious podcast, like the God forgives, we should be able to forgive ourselves when we make mistakes, pick ourselves back up and, and, and move again. Chinese proverb, fall down seven times, stand up eight. And the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, you know, man falls down seven times, go and get up eight and, you know, the wicked man, he stumbles. But so we have this ability to get back up. It's okay. Get back on that horse. Know that we're going to make mistakes. Chris, I think a lot of wisdom comes from mistakes that we make. If you think about it, like wisdom comes from some of the worst situations that we go through in life. Some of the, and I tell my kids this, and, and it was true for me too. I used to hate some of the bad bosses I had when I was growing up. I'm like, they were so bad. They're bad. And then one day it hit me. I'm like, those are probably some of the best bosses I could have ever had. Cause now I know how not to do things because <laughs> you remember the bad you always remember the bad you know it's hard we don't always remember the good but we certainly remember the bad yeah there's a lot of value into having that mindset being this perpetual learner where you can learn from anybody or anything or any situation because i think yes. oftentimes you know we can we can get really polarized by things and we can say well i can't learn from this person i can't learn anything from that person or i don't want to hear what this person has to say because their values don't align with mine but i think if you're someone who really values growth or you really really value education you learn from any and everybody agreed there's a great book called ego is the enemy and yes. in that book, the whole purpose and theme of that is like be a perpetual student. Petita said it, somebody who's an expert can't learn anything. I'm summarizing. But once you become an expert, like who are you going to listen to? So, you know, watch how you claim, proclaim yourself as an expert. Have that mindset of that child type, you know, fascination of, hey, tell me more. Tell me. Here's the thing, Chris, I think a lot of people don't realize is that if you listen to somebody else and you listen to their feedback, they think it's, you think it's, you got to act on it. No, you don't. You, just listen and take it in. What you do with that feedback is up to you. You know, always talk about feedback's a gift, like on Christmas morning. Chris gives me a gift. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to say, thanks. Like you don't ever open up a gift and throw it back at the person and say, that sucked. 
but yeah. that's what we do with feedback sometimes, right? They're just giving you a gift. They're giving you their insight. They're giving you your, their perspective. And a lot of times we go, well, that's dumb. Why did you give me that? Versus, hey, thanks for it. And then once that person leaves, throw it in the trash or re-gift it or use it. Yeah, that's the truth, man. So how has living by a mission statement made you a better man and better entrepreneur? It goes back to how are, I think the hierarchy of how we are and who we are forms what we can do. And John Maxwell says, you know, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So if, if you're not, I think, a strong core of who you are, it's, it's in, in that foundation of integrity and trust and transparency that we all want to have. We want people to follow us. If you're flapping in the wind, then people are going to get frustrated with you and, and they're not going to want to follow you, right? If you're changing, I love your example. I'm somebody who loves insight from other people. I love getting feedback from other people. I love, you know, hearing what other people have to say. And as soon as an employee comes up to them, they say, shut up. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Like, and then the next week they're like, oh, I love everybody's feedback. And then in a meeting, they're like, give me your feedback. And he's like, oh, I love it. Love it. And the next week, you know, the leader says, oh, no, stop. That was dumb. Like you're sending these mixed signals and people are eventually going to get frustrated. You know what they're not going to do? They're not going to give you their ideas anymore. And, and that's going to hurt you because then that feedback, that insight that your team might have that, you, that you're not seeing that we change this one thing and maybe it moves your business perpetually a thousand degrees this other direction, you're not going to listen to that. And it's those sacred cows we, we keep all the time. So I, I just think like as a people, you know, the more that we kind of peel back those layers of our onion and really get to understand who we are, I think we make better judgments and better, better decisions. And we, our visions, our statement, the people that we lead, they feel better about having somebody at the home who understands who they are because they understand who they are. And then in turn, they're going to want to find out who they are. And in turn, they're going to want to find out what their values are and missions are. And they want to be, because we want to be more like that strong leader that we see, right? We always want to imitate, emulate that strong person. Right. And so with a mission statement, is there any, or do you have any accountability? Like in terms of when you develop your mission statement, do you share it with other people and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm striving to be as a layer of accountability for yourself. And is that important? I, I, I think you can. I don't, I don't know that you have to, Chris. Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning, if it's something that you want to develop over time and then once you feel comfortable. Um, but going back to leadership, why wouldn't we share that with our teams? Why wouldn't we share like, hey, here's how I run my life. This is things that I, our core values that I, I share. So I share these, I've shared these at you know, different conferences and different talks I have um, because I do want other people to pick them up. I, and, and I have people, people like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take them, I'm gonna steal them, I'm gonna change them. I'm like, absolutely. So I think eventually you do wanna share them with other people um, as you've developed them and as they've helped you. You wanna help other people. And then I think helping, you know, I, once again, one of my core values is like pouring into people and helping build people that wanna be built. So if I know that me as a leader has become stronger and a better leader and a wiser and a more wise leader by these statements, would I, why would I not wanna elevate my team and share these with my team as well? Right on. Now, as a leader, you know, shop leader, is it important for you to help your teammates, you know, the team members in the shop develop their own personal mission statements as well? I have not uh, in the shops. In Autotext Me, we've gone through value statements and we've done some exercises to develop those. And we've kind of, you know, so there, I, I haven't done the shops. And, and, you know, you call me out, Chris, and that's something I should do with my leaders and say, hey, let's, let's, since I've done it with the software company, I should also apply it to the, to the, um, 
auto repair shop. Sometimes the auto repair shop doesn't get some of the love that the software company gets. <laughs> and that's on me. That's not a good caring, you know, uh, <laughs> a developing leader who develops others. I should share that more with the auto repair side as well. Next quarterly meeting, Chris, I'm sharing it with them. There as we share values and missions and visions of the company and that I've shared them, but I've never really asked them to do that on the auto repair side, but I will. Yeah, man. Great exercise, right? Great exercise. <clears throat> now, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share about developing a mission statement? Chris, I think we've covered a lot. And, and I, you know, I want to say thank you, Chris, for having me on here because usually we talk tech. I talk tech, tech, tech. And this is cool getting to talk about. And I could tell it's a, a when I had the idea, I'm like, oh, I read your um, editorials and you're very passionate. You're passionate about the, you know, you're passionate about passion and people and goals and values. And so, and, you know, the few times we've talked, I said, man, this would be a great, this would be a great topic to talk to you because I know it, it strikes a nerve with you too as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I love it. I love just, the entire, the whole idea of personal development and just developing the people around me. It's just, a, yes. it's a big deal to me too. So that's awesome. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Chris, man, thank you so much for joining me. It was, but it was great to chat with you again at uh, the restaurant Rich management conference. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to see you uh, very soon again. I'm sure we'll bump into each other down the road for sure. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate right, it. Thank you. Yep. And that'll do it for us here today at Ratchet and Rich radio. May the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.